Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe, and this is Season 4, Episode 21 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. Slated to come out on December 6th, 2021. And we're going to jump right into it because we're Ricky's got a birthday party to go to. <laughs> we got to get done before that. Um, the joys of parenthood. Yeah, it's well, I mean, we're both parents. We understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the major listeners of this podcast also understand I'm because sure. they're parents. <laughs> That's we're all old. Um, this is the Dragon's Milk Reserve. This is Reserve Three. This is not Reserve One or Reserve Two, but it is the Bourbon Barrel Aged Stout with Salted Caramel, and this one actually has stuff that I can talk about on it. So the final reserve of 2021 is an ode to one of our favorite releases. Our latest legend is aged for three months in select bourbon barrels and layered with sweet and salty caramel flavors. The result is a truly indulgent brew best described as dessert in a glass. 11% ABV. Dragonsmilk.com. All right, so what do you think about this one, man? I can see what they're going for, and I admire what they're going for, but I don't like it. <laughs> um, it, it is light. Mm-hmm. In the in sense, it's still a dark beer, but it's got a very light flavor. Yep. Um, there's some sweetness to it. I mean, if if anyone here listening has ever had those, like, not your father's X sodas yep. and things like that, uh, I think it is going for a higher quality, kind of like more artisanal version of that. It's got that all those nice notes to it. But the sweetness on it puts me off a little bit. Oh, that's interesting. I kind of thought it would go the other way. That was the reason I saved this one for the last yeah. one. Cause well, you like sweet stuff. Generally. I do, but I, the balance is off a little bit for me. Like the sweetness is there, but it's not like powerful enough to really be in the front. It's like fighting for top billing with a couple other flavors, which reminds me a little bit of like, you know, uh, you can eat some fruit that's still quote unquote good, but it's like a little bit past its prime. Okay. So those like darker kind of like earthier flavors are coming out with the sweetness. And an apple that's like you eat that one's like oh, I'll eat this one. I'm gonna throw the rest of them out. It's kind of like that balance of like that dark sweetness. So, for me, I totally get the caramel. Like I drink dragon's milk a lot. Mm-hmm. Did I say a lock? A lock. I drink dragon's milk a lot. I drink Dragon's Milk a lot, um, and so my favorite is generally the regular Dragon's Milk. Mm-hmm. It's got all the things that I love about a bourbon barrel aged stout. Um, the second, the the Reserve Number One was my second like kind of favorite one, and that one was. Um, I remember the flavors, and subjectively, I could be wrong, right? Because because mm-hmm. I can't be objective about this because I'm doing this off of a sense memory. I've ha- I've had all three of the reserve like flavors, and I had the Fodor uh, one, and we've had we've talked about that one on the um, on the podcast also, and then we had the white, right? Yeah, the white's my least favorite. I like it, absolutely agree, but it's my least favorite. This one's second least favorite, and it's almost tied with the Fodor. Because mm-hmm. the Fodor has that like funky yeah. taste to it, and then I like the other two reserves, and then regular Dragon's Milk. Yeah, I think I can one hundred percent agree with that. But I love this also for like the experimentation and the fact that they put this thing out there. And I'd never like if I had to choose this in a Budweiser, I'd choose this every time. Right? Yeah, that's it's, true. It's not like it's like, bad. Yeah, that, that's a good that's a good call out. It's not a bad beer. 
it just it doesn't of all the things that we've like had today uh, you know we're recording a bunch of episodes all together it's probably my least favorite but we had a lot of good stuff today yeah we did yeah. we had a lot of good stuff today the cider was really good that boulevard um imperial stout mm-hmm. was really good the, the, even the wine so i think that this is better than the wine for me okay and and the reason i think it is is there's something that intrinsically is like that's too sweet mm-hmm. right I, I mean i do like the wine so i'm not like no i get it you know that's that's people's palates yeah and it makes a lot of sense because you stay away from a lot of sweet stuff and so you're going to be a lot more sensitive to it yeah exactly and and i taste the care like have you ever made like caramel on the stove like mm-hmm. where you put like butter and cream in it yep like this tastes like that to me okay so like and i and i i never get that and that's like kind of like a a, a guilty pleasure right mm-hmm. so i get some of that out of this and the fact that i get that so strongly out of this i'm like okay yeah i can see that yeah th- this is great still wouldn't like this wouldn't be my number one pick mm-hmm. right yeah it is hard to get better than like og dragon's milk yeah I've, I've tried all their other ones too and i always gotta buy like the four pack that's all i can find them in and i always end up with like oh i drank the first one but i didn't drink the other ones and they're just in the back of the fridge my wife yells at me about it Oh, well, if you, ever get in that, if you ever get in that position, I know somebody who would gladly take those off your hands. Mm-hmm. You might, I think I've got some Dragon's Milk White that are that have been sitting there for a couple of weeks. I'll, I'll, totally, I'll, next I'll totally take them. I'll totally yeah. take them. I, I, I won't kick those out. of. I, it's like, um, you know, Angelina Jolie, you don't kick her out of bed for eating crackers. You just put up with the cracker crumbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> I can't believe I made that joke. <laughs> so thank you, Cliff. That's a joke for my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so anyways, um, let's talk about, well, finish the, the Dragon's Milk thought. No, yeah. If you it's... like Dragon's Milk, experience this. Encur- vote with your wallet. Encourage them to make more of these like experiments. Yeah. Because eventually they're going to hit something. Yeah, and, and it's so, going to be so, so much fantastic. Personal taste yeah. too. Like this might be your number one if you really like that flavor profile, you know. It's just not for I think people that love the original Dragon's Milk, it's not at that same level. Yeah. I wouldn't even say same quality. I think it's the same quality. It's just not there's something that takes that one and like turns that like, you know, it's like spinal tap. You turn it up to 11. Mm-hmm. This is probably like an eight or nine. It's not bad. Yep. It's just not up to eleven. Um, did, did you see <laughs> that time of year? I was about. I was right about to go into injections without needles, and you just like you know, boom got the cough in. Uh, so, did you see this thing that I put the article I put in about the uh, injections without needles with a robot? Yeah. What do you think about that? I don't know. We've played around with that for like a long time. I had some things that are successful and some that aren't. I don't think I'm ready yet. Me, me personally. I totally see an Akira situation happening where they just like blow somebody's arm off. <laughs> you know, just like, oh, the, the robot. It was just miscalibrated because humans are involved with this thing. But at the same time, we have so many people that are afraid of needles. I could totally see that because it's not going to cause any bleeding. It's a yep. micro injection. Yep. Like, I, I think that my wife would be like one of the first people to like line up to do this thing because it would be yeah. an option for her without having to go get an, an injection with something like getting stuck. And as someone who has to keep a needle stuck into my belly 
all the time. Having a technology that's advancing towards something where you're able to do something that doesn't require a hard metal thing being poked into you. Yep. I could kind of see that because this, this skeeves me out, like having something like, it doesn't mm-hmm. bother me to get an injection or blood drawn, but having something permanently inside of me, I'm like, yeah. Ugh, when I think about it. No, right? I get it. Yeah, I mean, I've had needless injections before. It's always given by person. And they're nifty. I mean, they work. Recover a lot faster. No real issues. I've never had one before. I'd be willing to try it. It, it'll, it makes you a little nervous the first time. Or at least it did when I got it. This was like maybe 10 years ago. But the uh, the gun, quote unquote, was fairly large. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, like the thing that, uh, uh, what's his name, um, uh, that came out in the fifth element, the bad guy. Um, but anyways, the guy that comes out with that like big gun and he well, just like walks in. <laughs> you know, like those, uh, those little mini fire extinguishers. Yeah. It was like half the size of that, which is still pretty big. Like it was bigger than a wine bottle. Yeah. And it just like, <sighs> and you know, they were doing a bunch of people cause I think it was like a hepatitis vaccination or something like that. So there were like hundreds of people they were doing that day. So like maybe it was so big because it had to have so much, I don't know, <laughs> built up pressure it, or whatever. Pro- probably a pressure thing because the, the air tank you have to have on there for pressure mm-hmm. is like significant. But you don't want to inject air. So they would, it would have to be like a neutral gas that doesn't cause like embolisms and stuff like that. Well, from what I was understanding of the way it worked was that like the air like pushes the thing out really quickly. And then it like that's how it pierces in and goes in. Right. Or something like that. Yeah, this is supposed to work the same way, but it's supposed to be... See, on one hand, like I know how technology works, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I would rather have a machine do that than a human. They're not going to accidentally hit a vein. It's true. Yeah. Now I have other problems, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I thought that was just mm-hmm. really interesting. I don't know what's going to end up happening with it. Maybe one day. I, I mean, we're probably going to go that direction. There's already a lot, a lot of surgeries that yeah. now get done, you know, while not fully automated. Um, it's a doctor controlling a machine because they can be much more precise and they can be much, you know, they can get at angles that a regular person can't so that you can be a lot less invasive with your surgeries. So, you know, it's going to get there someday. So let's talk about AMC. They let Mm -hmm. you buy movie tickets with Bitcoin. That seems crazy to me. It's a little, little interesting. Um, I don't know how I feel. I love that there is now like a mainstream thing that you can buy with crypto. But at the same time, Bitcoin is so volatile and it's so expensive compared to the price of the thing you're buying. Um, it, it's almost like a bittersweet for me. We're like, I love, hey, look, here's the thing. If you got a Bitcoin, go out and buy stuff with it. You don't have to use fiat currency. You don't have to use traditional currency. But at the same time, AMC could just be like, ah, well, you know, this is probably going to go up with Cost us fifteen bucks to get something that maybe that thing's worth twenty or thirty. Yeah, bucks we'll just later. put it back. We, we we're, people are giving us money, and we'll just put this back in savings. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm wondering if their angle on it is like, look, you know, it's been on an uptrend for several years, some very aggressive uptrends recently. So you know, maybe we can just hold on to this and take that gamble. I kind of agree. Um, I, I, I'm going to be interested to see how this turns out. Um, I don't really know what else to say about that other than I'm. I mean, like, I, I agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. I just I think it's a good thing overall. Yeah, it, it really is. I just, if if I was in that position, I was in the movie theater, and it's like, look, you can take this little bit of Bitcoin you have and pay with that or pay with cash. I think I'd still pay for cash because I personally think the Bitcoin is probably still going to keep going up. 
or at least you know when whenever it stabilizes you know, it's still in the quote unquote volatile phase for me so if i if i had i don't think that's a whole nother topic yeah and we'll reserve is. that for another mm-hmm. for another one of these episodes but i don't think that right now if i had 20 bucks worth of bitcoin that I would necessarily stake that that's going to be where my wealth is going to be made. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that even if Bitcoin got to $200,000, which is, you know, maybe four times what it's, it's not quite four times, but like three, three, three and a half times what it's mm-hmm. worth right now. Um, that that's only going to be 60 bucks. You're not like out a whole lot. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you only have as much Bitcoin as it costs to like buy some movie tickets, maybe it wouldn't matter as much. But I'm thinking about those people that have a couple of Bitcoins, they've got a decent amount of wealth in it. I think if you were one of those people, you are probably not. You're probably not spending not interested in spending yeah. your Bitcoins at all. Not, not, but, but I mean, like since PayPal and other places are making these things, yeah, like yeah, available that's... for people, and then you can like since spend that without using your bank, even though you're mm-hmm. using an intermediary like PayPal. Yeah, you're not using your bank. <laughs> you can't. You can still like. That's true. And what else? You know, I, I guess that's, that's something I didn't think about until right now. If you're one of those people that's still doing like small scale mining, that could be really attractive to you. Yeah. Where it's like maybe you're only making you know a couple hundred bucks a month in crypto that's me. anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So when that becomes oh well you know I could have three hundred bucks or I could have a free trip to the movie every weekend like a free date night with my wife that might make a lot more sense to you. Yeah. You know, because it's not something you're holding on to, and it's, you know, this thing you are waiting to accrue in value. It's something you're actively generating. It's just another form of money for yep. you. Yeah. That's, I mean, exactly right. And you mm. don't have to, I mean, you, you you will have to eventually pay taxes and stuff on it. So I'm not suggesting that people should, like, circumvent yeah. taxes. But, so, um, and one other thing I want to talk about, mm-hmm. and then we're going to be, like, done for the for the episode. Staking coins. We've never talked about that on this on the show. We've like kind of hinted at it mm-hmm. before. I've talked about like being able to do it, but by Adam and things like that. Um, what do you, what do you think, is the future of crypto? Do you think it's something like staking, or do you think it's still mining? Oh, I definitely think it's something like staking. I don't think mining is really at scale. I don't think it'll work. You know, when you start saying this is good, this is a real currency, and by real I mean like this is backed by large institutions, government. When the world stops operating on the U.S. dollar and starts starts operating on Ethereum or something else, um, proof of stake is really the only thing that seems compatible enough with our current financial systems to transfer. Yeah, I agree with that, and and it. Full disclosure, because I don't want it to seem like I have some agenda. I'm, I'm, I actually don't, but someone may accuse me of that if they find out that I have like some coins mm-hmm. or state. I don't have enough state coins for it to like make a difference to me. Like yeah. when we're talking about the stock market. I have a lot more invested in like buying GME or something like that than mm-hmm. I do into a state coin. But I do have some, and I don't want anyone to think you know, hey. You're just saying this because, you know, whatever. Yeah. I also mine some. Um, but compared between the two, I get a lot more value out of the state coin than I do the mine coin, even though it would take a lot more state coin 
for me to be able to do anything with. Mm-hmm. And if I transferred all of my current wealth, which isn't much, <laughs> unfortunately, but if I transferred it all over to state coins, I would be in such a better like mm-hmm. place because I would get a return on investment every month, even regardless of the value of the coin. Yeah, I get some money back. And if that coin is worth more than a dollar, let's say I'm getting back 4% and the coin is worth $2. That's essentially 8% in like fiat currency. Yeah. And some of the coins that I've got staked are worth $30. You do the math on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's that mentality about it. I feel like mine coins really treats it more like generating revenue from like a service or a job or like this is work you're putting in to get stuff out and granted it's fully automated but still you know that's not a bad mentality about how to generate money but that's not a very good way to think about how currency acts as a system for finance where this idea that okay i'm going to take some money i'm going to put it away and it is going to become a slightly larger amount of money is much closer to the way people think of savings and you know how do you take that 401k and turn it into crypto based if it's you know all just based on mining are you saying you're buying into some mining plan to generate you more money are you just hoping it keeps going up in value you know i think i think ultimately like if you were just starting the world over yeah. You could make strong arguments for any of them, but that's not what's going to happen. At some point, crypto is going to start slowly taking over more and more and more of the financial market share. And the ones that's the most compatible, so, I mean, it might not even be a coin that exists right now, but at some point, someone's we're going to find that sweet spot of this is enough like normal money that you can get your grandma to pick it up and she can swipe her card and she can understand, you know, while I technically how it works. She knows she's got a quote-unquote savings account. Yep. And there's the stuff sitting in savings. There's the stuff sitting in checking, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think I think staking is going to take over, like, a savings kind of account. Because mm. you get so much more. It's more akin to what you would get from, like, the stock market. Mm. You know, I mean, aggressive stocks, and especially if you put into them over a long term, regardless of what the stock's value is, return like a higher percent percent yeah. rate uh, and generally give you more like back end stock. And then if you're looking at like an EFT or something, mm-hmm. I totally see that being the way that cryptocurrencies are going. So we'll talk more about that later. I know you got to go, man. Yeah. So got a birthday party. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, let me end this episode by saying thank you for listening to season four, episode 21 of the beer and broadband podcast. I normally talk about like other stuff, but I'm not going to for time's sakes. So <laughs> you know just who we uh, are. yeah, check out the Patreon, check out the Twitters. Uh, otherwise, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.